back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Christmas night. Uh, technically not anymore. It's actually uh, December 26, 2023. My name is Jake Luke, and uh, I don't know what to do with my hands, boys. What, what, what do we even do? How do we even start with this? I'm joined by uh, the full crew, the full Ravens cabal, as it is. I've got Mr. Smythe. I've got Brian. I've got Spenny. Boys, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, what do we even do here? I mean, what a... F- what a freaking win. What a freaking win for this Baltimore Ravens team. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Who wants as, it? I want as it. are we all. As are we all. I take want it. Take Brian, it. go. You want it. You want it. This is exactly like don't know what to do with their hands. What do we do when you're kind of like earn the spot at the top of the mountain? Everybody expects you to be the best team here moving forward. Expectations are through the roof. And this is Rams game all over again. Road game. Kick a team's teeth in on national television. Everybody knows we're number one in the league now. Now you have to live up to the expectation, and it's like, holy shit. And we've been down this road before. It's a little terrifying. It's a little terrifying, but it's so fun right now. Like That's as fun of a football game we've had in all season, in four years maybe, just because of just the exhilaration and the affirmation you get from winning a game like that. It's awesome. It's just Oh, we punked that team in their own barn, and we heard all week, all week, how they were the class of the NFL and that they were going to run rip shot all over us, and we just punked them. We punked them. I mean, the defenses did what they did, except they cashed in and then some. The takeaways, it's unbelievable. It, I mean, we've seen – I feel like for the first half of the season, I was waiting for a big nut on like a big pick-six type play, big takeaway in a big spot. That would be a – like a season-changing type of play. And honestly, I thought the Kyle Hamilton uh, uh, pick six to start the game against Cleveland was like, okay, it's going to the, – the the floodgates are going to open here. And this was kind of the game where it was like, yeah, like everything tipped is going to go our way. And it didn't feel that way to start. And we're getting into that with the whole – the most absurd safety I think I've ever seen. But, man, it just feels so fucking good right now. And I feel like the guys have got to feel so validated and – I, I got to let somebody else take the ball here. I'm just my, – my mind is all over the place. My mind's going a million places. I'm thinking big things like I have been all year, but now it feels very real. Do you know where you didn't hear those things? On the Exit 52, Ravens, Niners, Preview. There's 133 people in here. Go ahead and smash that like button for us. Subscribe to us. And the Ravens go ahead and do the damn thing. 33 to 19. In San Francisco, and man, did they look like the West Baltimore bullies? This was not the Baltimore Ravens. This was the Baltimore City bullies that we see rough shop on Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, who did I think Jake you tweeted looked like an M1 tank at some points. There was a huge car crash between him and Marlon Humphrey, but they got Debo Samuel to start looking a little bit early to start uh, dropping some footballs, things of that nature. The Ravens, in a wacky first half, just pull ahead. And at this point, it looked like a first-half team, a second-half team. They played from behind. They played from ahead. And for them to go dominate the way they did was just chef's kiss. And they still have unfinished business. They will have to go beat the Miami Dolphins at home on New Year's Eve. The Ravens have played approximately 300 consecutive primetime games, two in a row on holidays. But, man, the Ravens. Do not stop pumping out. They end up scoring on seven consecutive possessions, if I'm not mistaken, against the 49ers, which the 49ers had not have happened in 18 years. And like you said, Brian, 
the talk was against them and to the DNA of the Baltimore Ravens franchise, they thrive in these moments. And what we talked about, Jake and I talked about on the preview a little bit was John Harbaugh and maybe, you know, there's a lull there in the post Flacco contract years and at certain points, but John Harbaugh is a big game hunter. He's got skins. He's got horns on that mantle. And this is the biggest one he's probably put up there. I would say that maybe that Titans revenge playoff game because it's in the playoffs is maybe a little bit bigger there, but he, this is a, this is a big horn buck. He's got on his mantle in terms of the regular season and for him to continue his dominance over the 49ers franchise and organization is just a thing of beauty. He has perpetually out physical a team that has historically been a bully throughout their core identity as a franchise dating back years and years and years. So this was as big of a statement game as you can see. This was as big of a we got it right game, as you'll see, and I'll pass it off in a second. But to me, this game was the penultimate moment of the Ravens who have peaked too early year after year after year. That has kind of been the Achilles heel of this Lamar Jackson Ravens era. They are not peaking too early. They are running through Christmas of the new year as a steamrolling machine that is taking scalps, collecting pelts, and putting them above the mantle against the Jaguars. They really shut down. They kind of, I mean, I'll say it, they kind of kicked Brandon Staley out of town there and have just continued to throttle through teams that were supposed to be as good or better than them. So they have that chip on their shoulder. They have that dark matter, that black tar in their heart. And I think that is something that's so endearing to this fan base that goes back year after year after year of thriving in these moments, expecting people to, and when I say people, I mean the national media and other fan bases to look down on them as a pretender or as a team that is good, not great. And that there's a reason why they're not going to do X, Y, or Z. So it was a real cult, a cult, a real cultivation of that dark matter inside of them that it feels like almost reached a negative point throughout the Lamar Jackson contract saga, all of those things. But man, five interceptions, Kyle Hamilton making plays, Brandon Stevens making plays, Marlon Humphrey making plays, and this big bag Niners defense, like we kind of talked about in the preview, Lamar Jackson's faster. He's just faster. He's faster than your pass rushers. He can get away from you. He can extend plays and he can hurt you. And people knock him for that. And I don't know why. It's the same thing you pay, praise Patrick Mahomes for. So the Ravens now sit at the king. They're the, the Thanos in the king seat of the galaxy right now and are ready to rock and roll here as they still have an even bigger game next week against the Miami Dolphins team coming off a huge win. Taylor? It's a it's an it's a super impressive win and maybe the most impressive win that any team in the league has had this year. I think to go in there with all sort of the narratives surrounding this as these you know two teams being potentially the two best, obviously having the two best records, and for them to go in there and as Spenny said, really like out physical them um, throughout all four quarters. Obviously, you know Banks touched on it. You had this sort of uneven start with the with the safety. But that for them to show the resiliency them and just to essentially punk them into the third quarter. I mean, they were punking the 49ers, like punking who everybody thinks is the best team in the NFL. It's I, I haven't been that impressed by a Ravens regular season win in a long time. There's been a lot of really good ones, a lot of really good ones. That one w w was maybe the top for me. Um, they did it in every different way. And I, we say it week after week. 
the narrative is always about Lamar, but this Ravens defense, I think you can make an argument is the best unit in football. Just, I, I mean, the, me and Jake talked about it before we jumped on here. That 49ers team has hosses at every single position offensively, like absolute dudes. And the Ravens just, you know, made Brock Purdy, by the way, not the MVP. We'll absolutely see ya. Um, you know, made him just look like a guy that he made Brock Purdy look like the guy everyone thinks he should be, as opposed to the guy he's been. This just like overmatched, got taken in the seventh round, gonna throw a bunch of picks. That's what he looked like in this game. They just totally, totally took him out of his element. And it was it was just super impressive. And and as you said, Spenny, like they're now the they're the Thanos now. Like they are the Super Bowl or bust team of any of these teams. And that's a narrative you now have to deal with and run with. But they're peaking at the right time. Um, they couldn't be playing better in all three phases. And if people are finding if anybody that finds a negative in the comments on this incident analysis, you should just leave the show. You should leave the show because your team could not be playing any better right now. You just went on the road in the biggest game of the weekend, you know, on a team that everybody thinks is the best, and they punked them. They straight up punked them. And I don't want to hear like, oh, it got close at the end, Sam Darnold. Like Sam Darnold was never winning that game. Sam Darnold was never winning that game. So if anybody that got nervous, and people are technically getting nervous. No, 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 no. The Ravens had that under control. Unbelievably impressive win. And you said it, you mentioned his name, Spenny, John Harbaugh. A guy that even earlier this year we said like, oh, the body language. Oh, like, you know, and we were like, does this guy have it? But you know what I was doing on the couch watching the Ravens do this? I was going, that's what I was doing. That Just an incredible job by this guy. Incredible job by this guy. They're, 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 they're flowing. They're absolutely flowing. You know he fired them up too. You know that he was pulling press clippings. He was pulling Mike Flores as uh, Lamar and Ronnie Stanley so eloquently put it in the, uh, the tunnel there. You know, he punked them. He made them look foolish. This guy has made me look fucking foolish. They lose a game to the Colts. It gets me down to the dumps. I'm like, oh, we're doing this thing again. We're going to do this again where you're going to lose these games that you're supposed to win. And then, you know, you'll end up at 11 and six or whatever. That's not going to happen. You lose a game to a Steelers where, you know, you're, you're dropping passes and you're just losing a game that you absolutely should have won. Doesn't matter anymore because they go out there and they have, I think all of you guys said it at one point or another, like, the biggest regular season win this team has had in a long, long, long time. You go across the country, you got to play what I think a lot of people would have said, and maybe you still could say best team in the league. Definitely as far as talent goes, coaching obviously is a, you know, a big strength for them as well, but I'm just at a loss for fucking words right now, man. I, I, I cannot give them enough credit, and uh, it's, it's tough to come onto a podcast and say you're at a loss for words, but these guys are just absolutely proving me wrong uh, from the, uh, the negativity spiral that I was in after those two losses. Early in the season, uh, it's really tough to put it into words how uh, how happy I am for these guys. I think Roquan Smith was probably firing them up in the locker room. He had Patrick Queen in the uh, the pregame huddle there, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, but I, apparently it worked out for them because they go out there and, like you guys said, four inter, uh, five interceptions, four on Brock Purdy. I think, Taylor, you said it right, the MVP campaign for that guy probably over. Will it be Lamar Jackson? It wouldn't shock me. He probably needs to have one more good performance here against the Dolphins or the Steelers, or whatever it's going to take to lock up the division in the one seed. But my God, man, I am just absolutely, uh, I'm floored. I'm, I'm blown away. I am speechless. I am without speech. Uh, these guys deserve all the goddamn credit and, in the world. And, and for and the, you, and for, by the way, you saw all the reasons the 49ers are good in spots. Yeah. I oh mean, yeah. It was all out there. The Ravens just were better Yeah. <laughs> for pretty much every second of the game, except for maybe the first, you know, seven minutes 
we're just better the rest of the Purdy, game. Purdy had some deer in the headlights vibes. Like, he's he's won a oh playoff game, right? I, like, he's won a playoff game. He's been there a little bit, but Lamar Jackson has some fucking scars in his career, man. He has been there before. He's gone through it. He's had the playoff losses. He's had to deal with it all. And we've seen what happens when he was operating without scars and life was good in 2019. And then in that playoff season, or in the playoffs that season, he gets punched in the mouth. And then 2020, he goes and wins a playoff game, and then obviously he goes to Buffalo and loses one. But then the last couple of years, it's just been tough. He hasn't been there for the playoffs. It's been tough for him. And um, this just feels like, Spenny, like you said, a culmination of all of that just nonsense and bullshit and the contract. Some of it self-inflicted. You know, what? Uh, some of it was business. All of it just kind of was a black cloud hanging over this team. But it's been fully lifted. They are 12-3. and three. They are the best team in the league right now. You, you can debate a fucking wall. I'm not hearing it. And I'm not hearing any negativity tonight. We're seeing some of that in the comments. We'll talk about it on the jumbo set in a couple of days. We'll go through this in a more rational tone here but right now i'm just going to drink some mixed slicks and uh i i might have a zin and then uh you know we'll, we'll go to sleep tonight happy with the best team in the league that we root for with the best defensive coordinator in the league who is probably going to be a head coach in a couple months with in my opinion the mvp of the league at quarterback it's uh vibes are good right now that's all i gotta say i'll have more to say obviously but that's all i gotta say right now to Taylor's point, you you said you see why the 49ers are good, and, and let's talk about what happened in this game. George Kittle, they get in three-man concepts flying down the field, not one, not two, three times, and get the ball on the move, those kinds of things. And for the Ravens to be able to sort through, to your point, Taylor, to be able to sort through those schematic bloops and number one, go take the ball away after, not break, be able to play confidently, be able to limit Yak in situations where Yak was preventable. Like Kittle was alone, couldn't bring him down. As soon as they could, they did. Downfield, whatever. But to be able to sort through those three-man concepts, and a big thing I was looking at in this game was Christian McCaffrey isolated on those linebackers, things of that. And I do think that maybe Kyle Shanahan left a little meat on the bone, so to speak, in terms of trying to use McCaffrey downfield. Don't think they're even subscribed to it anyway. And Christian McCaffrey in this game is targeted 10 times, has six receptions for 28 yards, was silenced in this game. Someone who's MVP, oh, he should be the first non-quarterback MVP since Adrian Peterson. Oh, Brock Purdy MVP, all of those kinds of things. And this defense, like you said, Taylor, again, top unit in football. The 49ers offense is supposed to be, in terms of DVOA, in terms of EPA per play, in terms of EPA, in terms of quarterback rating, in terms of yards per play, in terms of yak, in terms of da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the Ravens put a silencer on and did it quietly. Like, they went pretty easily. They kind of, that was big brother, little brother, like, don't tell mom, like, cover their mouth and be like, shh, 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 shh. like, I'll get you a video game, shh, 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 shh. Like, that was a quick blanket over top of that yak. Uh, play after play after play. And the ability to hit Brock Purdy stood out to me. Jadevian Clowney played an outstanding game in this one. Even really late when the 49ers were kind of starting to knock at that door a little bit and see if they could make this a little hairy and a little wiry late. Trent Williams comes out, some of those things. So the ability to respond not only schematically to limit those openings over the middle of the field, which the Ravens do like to funnel teams there, whatever, but to then respond aggressively and assertively and to have the mental fortitude I think speaks to this defensive scheme and to the confidence that those guys play with within a play-to-play basis and having that that goldfish Ted Lasso memory of doesn't matter oh George Kittle goes down the field oh what the big bad 49ers flip the field on us oh Christian McCaffrey you know rattles off a couple big runs they're running behind Trent Williams like we talked about in the preview 
oh, doesn't matter. So um, I, I don't know how many people saw this one coming. And and hey, I felt a little a little risque, maybe saying that the Ravens were going to win, saying that in the preview, and and you know putting in picks and things like that. But man, it was not a win. It was a beatdown. It was a throttling. It was a nuke dropped on top of that 49ers narrative and all of those things. And uh, I'll, I'll pass it back and other thoughts and things like that. But we've got a lot of Mike Florio comments here. And I like Mike Florio. Me I too. love his yeah. content. I have for a long time. And I just love that this is happening to him. I can't wait to hear his responses. Like <laughs> Lamar, I think we had here, Jonas Schaefer. Uh, if I'm able to pull the tweet up, let's see here. We had Jonas Schaefer saying that Lamar – or excuse me, uh, Patrick Queen, we play a brand of football. They don't want to play. Then we had Jonah Schaefer also saying that Lamar Jackson ranted about the very disrespectful prediction from Mike Florio. And he said he's not putting the pads on. He, he ain't putting the pads plays. on. Florio, oh. Florio's going to be a good sport about this. I said this in a group chat. Like, Florio loves this. Yeah, this he's, is great for Florio. This is, this Lamar is, said he wants his clicks. Yes, Mike yeah. Florio wants his he's clicks. He's getting his he clicks. Of course he does. Yeah, he, he's getting his clicks. He's going to be a good sport about this. He said the Ravens are going to kick the shit out of the Dolphins. I don't know if that's meant to be a uh, reverse jinx <laughs> there from our guy who's, who's just playing fucking 4D chess in front of all of us. He's just moving pieces left and right. But yeah, I don't know. This is, this is a, a good and bad night for Mike Florio. I think uh, from a credibility standpoint, maybe not great, but he is absolutely good getting what he wanted out of this. Nice Malbon kit there in the back, Spenny, by the way. Yeah, I wanted to rep this. I got this as a Christmas present. So I wanted to, I got, I got the golf and ski. So I'm sure this is oh, like, this wow. is like, this is like my new chain. This is, I'm going to carry this around with me. Love that for you. My, uh, my Malbon bag here. Two, two quick Ravens defense observations. One, I think it's not going to get talked about a ton, but the biggest, I think their biggest, besides the the pick to the Kyle Hamilton pick, that kind of got things back on the tracks there. To just shut them down to start the second half was just an enormous three and out. And I think kind of laid a statement. I think Banks, you might have tweeted like both teams going to the half, kind of feeling the exact same way about whether they can win the game, which I would agree with. If you were both teams, I think you felt like okay, some things happen there. We we feel good about. It. We can both win the game. That was like a statement. Like you guys are not going to get out and run here at home in the second half and and kind of do the thing that you do. I thought that was an enormous, just an enormous play in the game. And Spenny, you said it, and I just want to, to, you know, just totally agree with you. A team like the 49ers, the guys they have when they get them out in space, they're gonna get what they're gonna get a lot. You're, no, no defense in the world is gonna totally hold them down. But the way they limited them time after time, where it looked like McCaffrey would ever hold. There was a play, I think, like on the second drive of the game, where McCaffrey like went um, on the left side. And Matt Abike, like came from behind the play and like took him down for like a four yard game where it looked like he was going to kind of like scoot, maybe get like 10, 15 yards. Like, they just made a lot of plays like that where it's like, oh, where you would get that like, oh no, like there goes Christian or there goes Debo. And they would just always, always make the play for the most part. And they're just, I mean, Banks, you said it might be like the most impressive tackling team you've seen from the Ravens. They just delivered blows all night long defensively to the 49ers. And at times, they didn't look – the 49ers did not look like they could stand up physically. It, it was so imp- – I was just so, so impressed um, by everything they did defensively. And then, as you said, Jake, Mike McDonald's going to get every single call from every team that has an opening in the league this year. I mean, that's that's the type of resume he's put together. Um, and he fully deserves it. Um, and, and if he decides to leave, it, it will suck to lose him. But in the moment, you know, this Ravens defense just flies around and is so physical. Um, and they impose their will. So um, it, was, it was just super impressive to watch. And fun. they're a fun defense to watch too. Fun defense to watch. I've said it before on this podcast, and I said it before we um, 
I think before we hit record here, they're the best tackling team in modern football. I've never seen a team around the line of scrimmage, uh, out in the flats, just get guys onto the ground um, with minimal, you know, falling forward. There's extra couple yards, um, you know, and to the Niners credit, I don't know that there's a group of players that are tougher to get on the ground than that team over there. And we did a damn good job of that tonight. Um, it's crazy. It's just time and time again this season, when a ball goes into the flat, when a team tries to run those screens, I mean, we've watched so many teams that have resorted to that in, in light of quarterback issues, you know, going to the backups, they just run the everything to the flats and the Bengals are, are one of those teams in a big way. They are just kicking every team's ass. Like, like there was a play tonight where Marlon just destroyed the receiver in front of him, blew him four or five yards into the backfield. Didn't make the tackle per se, but the everybody was coming in swarms. I mean, they just get guys on the ground. It's a team effort. Tackling is is a team effort, and and they're just unbelievable. Like, and and they just they're just physical with the way they do it. I think that's. I think the Niners knew what they were in for here tonight and they, they, they were up for the challenge for the first couple quarters here. And, you know, it was a good tit for tat and, you know, they put some good blows in, in the second half as well, but we wore them down physically, I think. Um, so when I think about the way that that second half started, um, I just think about the way that, like, like Taylor said, body blow after body blows, play after play. And there was another play. I, I forget who it was that blitzed off the edge, um, but there was the the play where the the uh, Purdy's throw hit Darby in a face mask. The throw he made to immediately turn his back was such an indication that he had no comfort at anything that was going on from the Ravens defense. Tonight. He threw another he, one that he, uh, clanked off of Debo's hands right to Brandon Stevens too. And Stevens, it was, it was moving too fast for him yeah. to corral it, but he was, yeah, the guy was, yeah. was shook. He, he wished he had more time to make that throw coming out of the receiver's break. And it just, he had to throw it too soon. And he knew it was a bad, he just turned his back and tried to absorb the hit. And was it Stevens that was coming off the edge there? Might've been. Uh, yeah. It's just a great example where, um, we just made our presence felt in so many ways tonight. Just awesome win. Yeah, I know man. I've been a little, a little out of out of the pocket here on this podcast because I'm trying to blog the Florio thing, oh, trying right. to get caught up on all the. It's coming from a lot of directions. Lamar at the podium, even so. We are we are beset at all sides, but yeah, man, it was an interesting start. I mean, like they, uh, we we had the <laughs> that fucking ref in the end zone. What are we doing, umpire? Like, what the fuck are we doing? I am so sick of these NFL refs. And I, I took a couple years off from complaining about this. This was a big thing for me in, like, 2020. And I was just like, all right, like, whatever. Like, it's just never going to change, and we're just going to have to deal with it. This is the cross that we have to bear as fans. It's just part of the product. And, like, it certainly still is, and it's certainly still going to be. But, like, if it's going to be every single week, we're just going to get involved, and we're going to make our presence known, which they did tonight outside of the safety. But in the safety, let's get physically involved. Let's actually change the course of these games and then let's smile and laugh about it and have all our little fun oh man i just cost him two points what the fuck ever amazing yeah good for you umpire like yeah everything's just gonna go on and it's gonna be fine great for you like uh, amazing night for that guy he's lucky he is lucky that the ravens were able to overcome that because that would have. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have a i'm gonna have an unpopular take here because i i eventually looked up the language of intentional grounding and this is just the shittiest loophole like of it possible is that reading word for word from the NFL's handbook, 
Item two, physical contact. Intentional grounding should not be called if, one, the passer initiates his forward passing motion towards an eligible receiver and then is significantly affected by physical contact from a defensive player. And the unfortunate part of that was that there was physical contact from another human being that was not a defensive so player. So here, here's my thing. Grounding is the correct call there, right? You can't do anything. It's the correct call. Get the fuck out of the way. Do not be in the play. Like, what do we do? Like, that's that's my complaint. And like these guys, it just they'll they'll just they'll have this happen. Nothing will happen. Maybe the guy gets fined. Maybe he gets shadow suspended. Like happened to that guy after the Green Bay Kansas City game. I don't know. Just don't be in the fucking play. What are you doing? And everyone's like, oh, stupid play by Lamar. What do you want Lamar to do? Like take a sack there and like take the safety anyway? I don't know. It just that really boiled my blood. And I'm glad. Yeah, the only thing you could criticize Lamar for for is tracking all the way back to the end zone on that play. Yeah, like the first yeah, I, I get it. But, but like, it, I'm guessing that nobody got open. I haven't obviously haven't seen the. No, 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 no. It's, very, it's very tough to knock Lamar because he does things in space that I can't imagine my body ever. 100%. And the thing is like, who knows if the official isn't there, he doesn't just run out of that and somehow make a play. It's not even really his fault. And it's, it's totally fair. Jake, your take is totally fair. It's totally fair. It's like, yeah, just do not be in the play. Do not backtrack and then trip over. Like he looked like Kramer out there, just fucking throwing his limbs up. It it was ridiculous. It was was like a slapstick, like Charlie Chaplin, like he's falling back. Just, Oh my God. It's just going to make me sick. And he was smiling and laughing because he probably was just nervous. We have Baltimore Sports Providence here. He was smiling and laughing as well. He probably was like, great. This is like the worst thing that can happen as a ref. Like the magnifying glass is just on me. He was probably like, you know, there's six cameras on him right after the play. I'm I'm going to parlay this take into that. The reason Lamar Jackson is so dangerous and good at football is the reason why the ref ended up in that situation. Like, yeah. That was such an uncommon play response and action that it made a ref who has probably spent God knows how many years in these situations be like, do I fall down? Do I stay here? Do I run? Do I backpedal? What do I do? Because he is that unique and, and different. And it was just an uncomfortable play. And it, it sucked. I mean, for a Ravens fan, it absolutely sucked. And it was it was super tough. But Ball didn't lie there. Definitely turned into a bit of a ref show in the first half in general. I think there were 11 called penalties total in the first half. With one Long of game. Spenny, I was saying this was going to be a short game. Long game because Bill Vinovich and the boys were just throwing the laundry all over the all over the yard tonight. And speaking of kind of challenges and things of that, we do get another Harbaugh Rams challenge situation. Jake, I saw you on Twitter were very, very happy with. Harbaugh throws that challenge late, which yeah, ends up being like a... Not not hearing anything on that Not hearing anything on that. I think I saw one person, maybe. I'm, I'm not going to call him out, but like, yeah, we're, we're not hearing anything on that one. Continue. We have a great comment here. Engineering Designs in the comments says, a regular quarterback would never put a ref in that position. Poor ref. Yeah. Poor God. Listen. I mean, it's Christmas, and now he's like... He's going to be on TV. His family's like getting heat probably. He's you know, fine. He's fine like now. It's going to be it's, it's going to be a funny story because they won. He's fine. Like it's okay. I, nothing yeah. personal against the guy, but just fucking If the Ravens like, lost, that would have been he, he would be getting like If they had lost by if they had now. lost by like 2 points, yeah, like that would have been a disaster for him. But he, you know, he he got off the hook here. It's like it's fine. I it, nothing personal against the guy, but like what the fuck are we like let's just be a little better next time, right? And let's maybe let's also like maybe write something some language into the rule book to account for that because like that it's just crazy that, that that's just able to happen it's crazy wild first half in general and it felt like a, a very sick and twisted halftime and could that game really caught could have gone in either direction and that was just what was so impressive was the defense's ability to continuously adjust and man i mean 
couldn't have the whole Brock Purdy MVP nation just couldn't have more egg on their face. Like this, it felt like people were so snidely wrapped up in no, he is the best. No, he is the one. No, McCaffrey. And McCaffrey made an impact in this game. But again, the story has continued to be if you watch Baltimore Ravens games, which hey, they've been on primetime. A lot of people should be watching for the last month here, basically. Lamar Jackson's the best offensive player again. And like the Ravens defense was maybe stole the show there, but who was best? Who didn't turn the ball over? Who made plays? Who ripped off a 35 yard scramble to go down and, you know, take advantage and make sure that they were in field goal range, and have a shot for a touchdown. So Lamar Jackson continues to be the engine and it was just nuts. I mean, what do we talk about in the preview, Jake? It's like, this is the opportunity for the Ravens to return to as a team as well as Lamar Jackson as an individual into that stratosphere of the apex predator of the MVP of the best team in football. And what an emphasis on the syllable, the correct syllable, the correct syllable there of that. The Ravens were able to, this was just such a full circle game to me. All three units, Tylen Wallace returning offense, defense, Lamar Jackson from where the Ravens were. 18 months ago, 12 months ago, exactly 12 months ago, really. So just a statement game about, I think, the stability of the Baltimore Ravens organization and their ability to transfer from the early Ray Lewis window into the kind of Joe Flacco window. They get a Super Bowl there, deal with the kind of mediocrity and injuries and maybe some poor decisions they made financially in terms of cap space, whatever. Back to Lamar Jackson and then into the Lamar Jackson second contract. So uh, to me, this is a statement about Steve Bashotti, about Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, the, the coordinators he has in place, the quarterback that they have, and ultimately the decisions and stability that as a franchise, they have been able to return to this peak of Mount Olympus atop the NFL as they have a huge game with the Miami Dolphins, of course, still to come. Pittsburgh Steelers week 18 and are fighting to solidify that, that top dog status, which it feels like as of today, they certainly have earned and taken. Winning in different ways, too. I mean, the defense coming out and playing like they did, they've certainly had games like that this season, but this was easily their best performance. They're kind of apex mountain, I would say, for 2023. And then the running game, you didn't see a ton from it tonight, but what you did see, I thought Justice Hill ran hard. Gus had the uh, touchdown and fourth down early that really, I think, set the tone for the game. Brian, I know you were uh, might have had to change your pants after that one, uh, going for that fourth down uh, and getting the touchdown. That was great. Lamar, a couple nice runs, like you mentioned, Spenny. But wide receivers and the receivers in general, likely a really nice catch and run. Shoved a guy off. Flowers, a couple nice catches. He caught a touchdown. Nelly Aguilar steps up. I think, you know, Bateman had um, a bad drop, but then he had a really nice catch and run after that. So they can just, you know, they don't have, like, Taylor to our conversation. They really don't have the horses in the same way that, like, a team like San Francisco does. But when they're just humming and they can ride the momentum and they feel like it's kind of, it seems like it's going in their favor, they just settle in and they just, they make it look simple. And that is the best compliment I can give them because at times... Like you keep saying, spending a year ago with Greg Roman, you know, and that was kind of at the end of its rope, no shade against Greg, but it just seemed like they were making things overly complicated, didn't have enough talent in certain spots, and it just it wasn't clicking right now. It is kind of clicking on all cylinders. Brian, uh, any thoughts from you on that? I'm still typing away on the Florio thing. I'm, I'll, I gotta apologize. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you one I'll give you one on a Jake. You talked wide receivers. I, the Zay, the Zay Flowers pick is is turning into gold here. I mean, he he was awesome um, in this game. Um, 
And he's kind of the perfect receiver at times for Lamar because he just kind of gives him an outlet in a bunch of different ways. And he can deal with the broken play, get into a spot, sit down, and then, you know, make something happen after it. I continue to be impressed by him. I think I've said it like four out of the last five instant analysis um, shows, but he, he's been spectacular. Um, and I thought he was really, really good in this game. Um, and I think the Ravens, you know, knock on wood here can kind of say that they finally hit on a first round receiver. You know, it really should only get better from here um, in terms of his play. And he, he's been really, really productive, almost under the radar at times. I know he had the huge, obviously the huge play at the end of the Rams game, um, but it's just kind of steady week in and week out. Um, and Lamar needs a guy like that with no Mark Andrews. And he's kind of stepped into the the most steady of, of the pass catchers at this point. Um, and it's really his go-to guy out there. So I, I was very impressed by Flowers tonight. I thought he did a lot of things well. Um, and then the other guys kind of supplemented it behind him and, and picked up and spot with some catches. Um, but I thought, I thought Flowers was the clear standout of that pass catching group. Certainly was a playmaker. And Lamar, I think, did a great job in his continuance of contorting his arm, throwing differently. And we saw some quick screens, some RPOs, where, I mean, he's just like jumping and flipping the ball over top to make sure the ball got there as quickly as possible. So that relationship is definitely special. And, man, I mean, he hit a, a stutter step back on one of their DBs. I think it was uh, Ward or Lenore – not Lenore, Lenore was that. Uh, one of their DBs and just made so many guys miss in space – and time and time again, I'll go back to that Mike Tomlin quote that despite his size, despite his frame, he will go into the dark places and he has no fear. And I know, Jake, this is a, a big, the Ravens will walk in the shadow of the Valley of Death and fear no evil. Because they are and the baddest motherfuckers in the goddamn Valley. They are. They certainly are. And Zay Flowers is that offensively. He is the go-to. We had some comments here. Who is the go-to? What is this? What is that? quickly becoming Zay Flowers as a rookie, having the best rookie receiving of any Ravens receiver ever and one of the top rookie performances of the Ravens franchise, especially on the offensive side of the football there. So uh, got Fred Warner at one point, got so many guys in that first half, and it felt like the 49ers were like, okay, we're going to try to do the thing that's worked against the Ravens. We're going to mug the gaps. We're going to give pressure looks. We're going to try and make sure that we have every gap fitted in the run. And to be able to finally have a guy that you can simply, in those exact situations, it's packed in the middle of the field, it's soft on the outside, and you can just deliver him a football, and he gives you 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 yards. To have that finally, what Marquise Brown was supposed to be able to do, what he did at Oklahoma, wasn't quite in the NFL. For all the things he is and is a good receiver, Zay Flowers provides a different element. And you can call it a gadget if you want, but it's not a gadget when it's a foundation. A gadget is something that's temporary and a luxury. What Zay Flowers is doing on the outside and in those manufactured touch situations is an element that is so needed to decongest the middle of the field. And why do you think that things started to open up downfield a little bit? Because it spreads the defense to laterally, makes them defend the width of the field, and then you're able to start having those moments where you can attack downfield. And, man, Lamar Jackson just played mistake-free football. Like – how did the, the, the flow, and as much as we're going to talk about the Ravens' defense and their efforts, the flow of this game, which wasn't quick or maybe precise or pretty to start, it was safe, it was deliberate, and it felt like they had a concrete plan. Get the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands, 
They wanted to make sure that the Niners knew they were willing to throw the ball early. Lamar Jackson dropped back, I think, 30 times in the first half, had 27 pass attempts, and just continued to hammer a deliberate plan. And just makes you feel like you paid the right guy, man. When you can have him drop back, you're switching out. They've got a bullpen rotation. McCarry's in there at left tackle. Stanley's in there at left tackle. Suddenly, Falele and Stanley are at right tackle, and there's two guards at left tackle and left guard switching, swapping guys out. Uh, they had such a plan in place, and I do think that's why that buy was so crucial late, as late as they could have had it. They do make the decision to reject the post-London buy, and when we hear Harbaugh talk, and of course you're always going to hear this from every coach, but you could just hear a little steel resolute in his, in his voice and in his eyes when he said, we got a chance to scout ahead on a couple of teams. It's the 49ers. It's the Dolphins there. That's who's ahead. And guess what? That's the same coaching tree. They have a lot of the same principles. They use a lot of similar motion. They do similar things in the run game. And you just put on a show on that side of the ball while having that deliberate plan offensively. So uh, Mike McDonald is a stud. Todd Munkin, I think his abs- – I, I don't want to say he made lemonade, but he certainly didn't make, you know, rotten lemonade. He made the uh, – uh, you know what he made was the Panera lemonade for the 49ers tonight. No. <laughs> wow. Giving him a heart attack there. Giving him a heart attack. Sound so I, I just wow. think this team couldn't be more well-coached, could not be more well-coached right now in terms of schematically, in terms of vision. And we see have a lot of comments here about, you know, is this team better than 2019? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to feel like they're not because the, the blindness and the blind spots that the Ravens ended up having against that Titans team, I, I just don't know. There, there's no answer. They're balanced. They're battle tested. So like they, so they've got the dude. They've got the fucking look in their eye in the way that that team did not. That team just was not ready. They got schwacked to use the term that I'm using for the 49ers tonight. They got schwacked by that Titans team. They were not ready for the physicality. They were not ready for the moment. They had taken two weeks off. They were young. They were inexperienced. They did not have the battle scars. They've got the battle scars right now. Like, the crazy part too is is Patrick Queen's quote was like that. You know, guys, don't, whatever it was, guys don't want to play the brand of football we play. He's indicating that obviously is they they out physical the 49ers, but this is a team that's doing that that has the most exciting player in the league under center. Like that has the guy that can make the flashiest plays of all time. It's not like they have a game manager who's handing off to Gus Edwards 25 times and they're just like winning 16 to 10. Like they also have the MVP of the league, who's you know, you wouldn't call a physical player. Lamar Jackson's not physical. Um, he takes shots and he plays tough. And as you said, Jake, he's got scars that Brock Purdy didn't have to get him through this game. Because you look back at the beginning of this game, the safety, which, you know, Jake, you already went on the reference. I won't give this a similar rant. But, like, that's a game when you're on the road against the consensus, quote-unquote, best team in football, where you're like, oh, this is going to go downhill on us a little bit. Now we're punting. Now we give the ball back to this offense. Where does this go? And the Ravens were so resilient after that moment. I know it's only two points. I know it's, you know, they're not down a million. But, like, that's a, sh- a quick show of resilience where it's like, all right, San Francisco, you're not going to be able to now just, like, run downhill. You get that those two points and you kind of go. I thought that that showed a lot about the Ravens and, and kind of who they are and, and what what they've built through some of those. We talk, we've talked about this for a few weeks and how they've closed games. They've really what, – what they've, what they've built through their mistakes and through their failures has hardened them for these moments. And you've seen that. We have seen that and we saw that in the Rams game. 
Um, and we, we've seen that in other games of the past four, five, six weeks. They have used those struggles at the beginning of the year, what they did against the Browns, what they did against the Colts, and that has put them in the position to respond a different way. Um, and that's really, really impressive. And is this semblance of both a good culture among the players, but also, a, as you said, you know, Spenny just said it, they're extremely well coached. Um, and I think you have to give a lot of that credit to John Harbaugh and what he's built with this team. They have they have kind of used their scars to 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 set them up for these these moments down the stretch, and they're going to need them. They go into another gauntlet game next week, um, so it's it, I just I couldn't be more impressed by what I saw. That I, you know you you come out of as like a a fan of a team, and and sometimes that trends negative where you're looking for all the faults, and you know the the clock hits zero zeros, and I'm like, how much more could I want from an organization that I support? Like they couldn't be better, really, in all three phases. Um, they're extremely well coached. They seemingly have a great culture. You know, it's everything that you want, and and you hope that and you, that it ends with a ring in February. Maybe it won't because the Super Bowl is an extremely hard thing to win, um, no matter who you are. But they've put themselves in as good of a position as you can to achieve that ultimate goal, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. It's it, it's very very um, encouraging and exciting to have that going on. And as Spenny touched on, I think earlier, like they are now peaking at the right time. As opposed to it felt like at like week seven, it's like, man, the Ravens are a wagon. No, the Re Ravens are a wagon, and we're, we're talking in the morning of December 26th. There's not much more, there wouldn't have been much more time to get it together. They have totally gotten it um, to a point where the, they're the Super Bowl favorite at this point. The I think so, so many times, I'll pass you in a second, Jake, but so many times, like you can say, like, oh, peak at the right time, or you can make generalizations like, don't turn the football over, don't commit penalties, you know, run the football. Coaches always end up coming back to that. We want to peak at the right time. Like getting out over your skis early in the season doesn't bode well. You get a confidence that you don't deserve maybe so often. And this team is landed on thick. And they did, I mean, they whopped the Lions and they whopped the Seahawks, two good teams now at this point that have beaten other good teams. But still, for them to finally feel like, and I want to pass it to you after this, Jake, passing it off to continue your point, but I want to pass it to you talking about your boy again. But I did honestly rip a little bit. It was like, I don't know if Tylen Wallace has to be the punt returner now, but. I, and I honestly, at one point in the game, thought that the Ravens, uh, I, was, I was driving in the beginning of the game, but Tylen Wallace has a 26-yard return after forcing a three and out against the Niners to open the second half. And it's not just that they're balanced. It's not just that they have the defense to keep it. They're composed. The, the Niners punter makes a stupid penalty. Like, the Ravens haven't had those. They haven't had these dumb penalties. They have some face masks and stuff like that. But when was the last time it was like, oh, Aside from John Simpson, who we honestly loved when that happened, he's, he those are in the budget. Like, those are in the budget with John Simpson. Exactly, like you need <laughs> that guy to do that. But so wanted to pass it to, to that and Tylen Wallace again, low key, making such an impact play on that return. Sticks his foot in the ground, gets north, gets a little extra juice from the punter at the end. Attacks on an extra fifteen. Wham, bam! Lamar flips it to Gus Edwards on an improvisational play that goes for I think thirty nine yards there, down to the five. They score a touchdown. Wham, bam! You're up two scores and don't look back. He's not fast, Tylen Wallace. He is not fast with the ball in his hands, or at least he doesn't appear to be. You know, he's fast relative to you and I are fast. But he just breaks that first tackle every time, it feels like. And he he's made a couple nice returns um, since he's taken over that. Obviously, the one against the Rams, then a couple nice ones tonight, I feel like. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think he, he definitely deserves to be in that spot. But just to the overall conversation that you kind of hinted at there, like, the fear was there on Twitter, and I felt it a little bit when they're up by two scores and they're driving with Purdy and then it turns into Sam Darnold. Like, the fear was definitely there. Shout out to 2-2. Uh, Popping into the screen there. Love to see that. Hope you had a good Christmas. The fear the fear was there. But how do you think 
other teams feel when they have to drive two scores down against Roquan Smith, against Marlon Humphrey, against Kyle Hamilton when he was healthy. Obviously, he wasn't in there for that period of the game. But, like, man, like, it just feels like the mentality has shifted a little bit where you look back at that 2022 Dolphins game as the absolute worst example of a meltdown that you can think of. It just feels like that that kind of stuff hasn't been there this year really much at all. I know people want to point at the Colts game and the Steelers game, and I certainly did at the moment, but just hasn't been there really this year. You look at the Browns game, certainly, but the Browns are just a fucking good team. Like, you, you got to give them credit for that win as much as anything, and obviously things have changed for yeah, them I can't, I can't believe they won a very hard-fought game against Case Keenum and Davis Mills like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get, I, get, I, I get all that, too, and we'll certainly see what happens in the playoffs. They're going to be there, and maybe the Ravens will see them, and maybe they'll see Joe Flacco. Who the fuck knows? But, like, the Browns are a good team. They, they lost to them, and then, you know, they lose those two games, obviously, that they should have won. But overall, man, they're 12-3. and three. Like, teams should be scared of them. Think of that next time that they're in this situation. They're up two scores in the fourth quarter and you're fearing the worst and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and, oh, man, it's happening again. Well, how the fuck do you think they feel against diesel-ass Roquan Smith firing guys up? And how do you think they feel about Kyle Hamilton with two zins in the top of his uh, top of his uh, jaw there, just absolutely just chomping at the bit and coming away with two interceptions tonight? And how do you think they feel going against Marlon Humphrey doing these weird videos with the, the wig on? And how do you think they feel going against Brandon Stevens uh, with you know, even Brandon Stevens making some big plays tonight. I know he had the uh, the penalty and everything. And how do you think they feel going against Justin Matabike with rested legs in the fourth quarter? And how do you think they feel going against Gus Edwards with fresh legs in certain spots? Like it just like as much as we we praise the 49ers, I totally uh, totally am on board with it. I think they're still a great team, no no doubt. But I predicted Spenny a loss here, as you well know. But I predicted the Ravens to walk away with, you know, a respectable loss, uh, three points or whatever it might have been, and just say, like, you know what? They belong on the field with this, these guys. And no matter what happens, like, they absolutely do. They they deserve to be respected as the best team in the league right now. And I would just say to everyone listening tonight, like, remember that next time they're in that situation. Like, don't, don't allow the fear to take over. Fear is the mind killer. Shout out to Dune, part two coming out next year. Very excited. One of my favorite parts of this game is that, you know, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and really, you know, Fred Warner and seemed to play a you know solid game, whatever, maybe didn't make, you know, necessarily impact plays. We'll go back, watch the tape and see. But I like what Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen did tonight a lot. And Roquan Smith delivered blows. He sent, and honestly, could have been a penalty. I, I would have been like, all right, yeah, that's fine. Sent a forearm shiver through the back of Debo's head. Debo got tied up at one point in the second half sent a forearm shiver through his spirit, through his existence. And Debo dropped two passes after that. Patrick Queen's flying around. He, I think on the Darby missed interception, Patrick Queen disguises his blitz off the edge, comes free. They don't see it. Purdy just, oh, I'm getting that ball out. I don't want to get hit. Um, just got the ball. Patrick Queen was all over the place, manning up on Christian McCaffrey. Again, I, I really do think the craziest stat of tonight in context, you know, the, the interceptions are crazy, but I'm going to say it again. Christian McCaffrey had 10 targets and six receptions for 28 yards. That is not supposed to happen. That is not what anyone in football would say would happen. If you were to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey 10 times, that would net you under 30 yards. So that speaks volumes. And then to hear the way the comments Patrick Queen has had and, and the confidence he has and in a contract year, everything he's gone through in terms of, you know, the, the early expectations as a rookie and all those things. 
to call to culminate in him leading the huddle tonight pregame, getting guys fired up, and then walking the walk, having a pick. He low key might have actually fumbled that football. He's no, very well no, have- stop. He did not fumble that. He was well <laughs> down. Give me Trent Williams. Get out of here. Pointing the, you know, come on. No, no, no. But 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 for them to to be able to go prove that they're the top dog against that unit. I mean, linebacker in the NFL today is not as respected as it once was. It is a little bit of a gilded age when you think about that position or gilded era. Uh, looking back and. They proved that having good linebackers can eliminate in the pass game, in the run game, in terms of being pass rushers, and make linebackers great again. They did it. Yeah, they Ravens have. have linebackers that are winning games for them. Yeah, and Fred Warner had some some nice plays tonight too. I mean, that, that was kind of a nice uh, linebacker duel there a little bit, um, which was great to see. I mean, yeah, like. Man, I, I just what what a what a freaking win, guys! I I don't really know what else to say. Taylor, take it away on the broadcast. What'd you think? I think that Buck and Aikman are the two best doing it right now. Um, and not to just stay completely positive. I'm sure somebody wants somebody wants somebody to get negative, but I think that I think Buck is so unexposed right now because he's not doing baseball that every time he opens up Monday Night Football, I'm like. Joe, let's let's absolutely ride tonight. It's just a big game feel. And probably it's because ESPN has not found a Monday night football duo that's felt like a Monday night football duo for over a decade until they got Buck and Aikman. But I think that's the best duo right now from a like you want them calling the biggest game of the year standpoint. Um ahead of Tariko and Collinsworth. I think Burkhardt and Olsen might be like a little better technically. Just I think Olsen is just a little more interesting than Aikman. But I, Buck Buck is to me the best the best guy doing in the NFL right now. I think he's I think he's really really good. I think those guys have so much chemistry. Um, so I stay on my positive train tonight. Those those guys are really good. Um, and, and they they've 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 gotten the Monday Night Football production under control a little bit too. I think those guys have just like brought you know no disrespect to like a Steve Levy or a Lewis Riddick or the guys that were doing it previously. I think they were fine. Um, but that broadcast just has a Super Bowl feel every single time because those guys are calling the game, and it's exactly how you felt when they would open up a four thirty Fox America's Game of the Week. We were like, "All right, let's let's go, let's go, fellas!" Like this is the biggest game of the day. Um, so yeah, I thought they were good. I thought they were good. Um, I didn't really have any problems with the broadcast for the most part. Um, I think ESPN's gotten that thing together with those two guys at the helm. SVP and Ryan Clark in the halftime show too. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean SVP. Yeah, I mean every, they've done. They've they've just made, they've gone fully in. It's like ESPN had Monday Night Football, but they never like fully pushed all the chips in with their you know their pre halftime and post and their announcer duo. And now it's like, all right, we're sticking SVP on it. Who's our best host? We're going and paying uh, a ton for Buck and Aikman. Like we're just doing this because we're getting the Super Bowl now. We're going to have the Super Bowl on ABC, and we need these guys. We need Scott Van Pelt hosting the Super Bowl, and we need these guys calling it. And now it's an awesome broadcast. Um, and next week they have Lions, they have Lions, Cowboys on Saturday night, which is going to be great. Like that's going to be awesome. Those two guys calling that game. Like Aikman's always fun when he's calling the Cowboys game. So, um, yeah, I think I think it, I think that broadcast is really really good. They, were, um, they say some right they say some goofy things sometimes, but they do. In my opinion, the best thing two commentators can do is make me feel like I'm in a conversation with them and I'm a part of it. And I think that they're the number one in the world right now, making me feel like I'm with them and got somebody to talk to. Because if you're with people watching a game, you're not maybe paying too much attention to whatever they're saying. But if it's you know a small group or you're by yourself or something, you want to feel like 
you've got some buddies with you. And I think they do a great job of that. I think Kirk Herbstreet does a nice job with that too. But it's obviously with uh, Mr. Al Michaels on the tail end. I think Aikman is also a little underappreciated as a guy that identifies things in the game. Like, I think he's never been like maybe considered the top, like, oh, he's like a, just a, like a great football guy analyst. But I do think he does like a very good job of simplifying things that are going on, which is what you want for a broadcast like that. Always um, uses as few words as possible to talk about scheme. Like if he's talking about pass plays, well, this guy lines up here. So that tells you that. And that's that. Yeah. Like I loved when Lamar in the, he had an RPO in like the first or second quarter and just ran towards a wall of four guys. And Aikman just like, yep, he just didn't read anything at all right there. He yeah. just took the ball. I, yeah, I, I noticed that too. <laughs> but, yeah, he just the, took the ball. Instead of like Romo, who at this point would be like, oh, Jimmy, look at him. He's taking a look at the light. And he just would have been too wordy. Like, Spenny, you said it right. Like, he just is like, nope, didn't read the play there. Like, let's move it on. Like, he just didn't do the right thing. Um, because that's what Nance and Romo felt like a few years ago. They were like the ones I felt like I was in the conversation with. Now Romo has gotten just a little too all over the place where you just kind of feel like you're with your uncle who's had like four drinks who's trying to break down football. Sometimes that's how Romo feels. Like he had some good lines today, and then other times he's like, Oh, Jim, let me let me get the let the big guy get his hands on you. Like what do you think of like, uh oh. what do you think of Jim and Tony's outfit today in the booth? Loved it. Loved yeah, it. That was good. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I love James good. Brown looking like slightly salty that he didn't also get to wear oh, yeah. a Christmas sweater. Yeah. That was tremendous. That was tremendous. Um, Wait, are you I, also about totally, I also totally forgot there was the Nick the Nickmas game today. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't yeah, watch yeah the, didn't watch that. Which I flipped on for a little bit with yeah with Burles it was really Andy Reid getting getting got I saw that, yeah. The uh, everybody into that. Yeah, the toy story, oh. the claw coming down. Yeah, that was that was good. Yeah. Are no. you guys talking about Nance and Romo's sweaters or you're talking about Aikman and uh Buck's suits? So Nance and, Nance and, and yeah, Nance and Romo had the sweaters, and then Romo had the sure, Santa. This, Romo had the Santa hat on too. He was just really leaning into yeah. it. Like yeah. they rolled into the pregame with Romo with the Santa hat, and I said Romo may Romo may just go totally off. Dude, the I thought he would have had. Then he made a then he made a Linus and Lucy Charlie Brown reference on that first fumble. Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh dude, I love I loved that. I love a, a good Charlie so Brown pull the football away reference. That's one of my yeah. favorite things. I thought Romo was gonna have a lampshade on his head by the end of the night. Like he was, yeah. he was vibing <laughs> he was in that, yeah. at that game. He was very much today he was like i can't wait to be back with my kids in a few hours like nance is like um yeah tony you'll see him in a few hours which indicates to me that romo like heads out immediately after the game's over jumps in the pj and heads back to texas which is awesome i absolutely love that he does that he's working on a um, short game right now he's in his uh he's he's in his garage <laughs> like he's got the simulator out he he's he's just getting that 60 degree dialed but yeah i don't I, you know we always, i always feel like i try to find like a good broadcast take negatively but I, I thought i just think buck and aikman are really good and they've been doing it for so long it makes sense i mean this is we've been going on 20 years with these guys that's what you pay for uh, it's like it's like lamar jackson that's what, what about really the, anything from the uh the what do they even call that the referee consultant wasn't too much like, who, who do they even have do they they don't have blandino he's with cbs right harry john God, who do they have Oh, I can never remember that. He guy got in the mix. They don't over. He got in the they mix. They do not overuse times. him. That ESPN broadcast is not. Overused. It wasn't a Terry McCauley getting up on the bully pulpit like fucking Citizen Kane, <laughs> like screaming about election results. It wasn't like that. But yeah, yeah. he he got involved a couple a couple times tonight. Yeah, it's it's good, and I, I, I it's good. You we haven't really talked about SVP being on that because 
all year, but it's just nice hearing his voice in all facets of the thing. It's like, not that Susie Culber wasn't great, but like, it's just, he's just like, ah, SVP. They always, they Perfect. cut to him for the sports center at, uh, at like after dark, after some of these games, not tonight cause it's Christmas, but like sometimes they'll do that. I, I just have good, good memories of falling asleep to SVP doing the sports center after dark, after games, after MNF. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a good, it's couple a good things I wanted to, couple of things I want to touch on. I thought that Brandon Stevens volleyball set and yeah. bait, Knowing that ball was coming and to really slow it down, slow play it, felt like they had the run fit coming from the other side and to just pop that ball up. I saw Marlon Humphrey seemed like you, I don't know, I haven't paid attention to terrible much, but I saw a lot of videos being posted from beat reporters on both sides and he was just catching passes all pregame. Thought that was interesting, goes and high points it. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's effort similarly to get blocked in the back, shoved into the dirt to pop up like drew the penalty up. drew the penalty gets up runs back and is johnny on the spot for that that was unbelievable that was the the paul rudd like pop up yeah do exactly. less yeah. do more uh just just perfectly played K- that Kunuatu, is that, that's what we're calling him now and a couple touchdowns i mean we would be remiss not to talk about the the nelson Aguilar touchdown down mm. in the red zone Nelly. and the Ravens struggled in the goal to go and it was worrisome because you're like all right you're getting turnovers you score one touchdown it's like Man, you can't keep kicking field goals against the 49ers if they're gifting you points. Turns out they probably could have and gotten away with it. But uh, to be able to go have that decisiveness from Lamar Jackson in the red zone, back-to-back possessions there, he ends up making that great play to Gus Edwards we mentioned earlier, improvises, Gus works up field, flips him the ball, Warner chases him down to the five-yard line, then is able to fire one to the left side of the end zone there, short for a Nelson Aguilar touchdown. Then the next play... From scrimmage, Brock Purdy is intercepted by Patrick Queen on an awesome effort there and returns that one back to the nine-yard line. Three plays went Lamar Jackson, Nelson Aguilar touchdown, extra point kickoff. Next play, pick Patrick Queen. Next play, Lamar Jackson throws a strike to Zay Flowers, who has become such a decisive, confident player in, I'll say specifically even in the end zone and right around the goal line. And paces himself really well. They went touchdown pick interception, touchdown pick touchdown in a three play sequence against the San Francisco 49ers on Christmas night in San Francisco. I'd call oh. attention to uh, ever since he was called out for the Flowers celebration, I, I'd call attention to the Grinch touchdown celebration tonight. Kick the door down, grabbing Extremely the presents. Good. Yeah, it was so smooth. Very good. And then they all ran him, out him together. Likely him and really Lee. had that. Oh, radio. they were in They sync. knew one of the two of them was going to score. They, yeah, they ran off together, just hands in the air. That was like, oh, man, that was the moment. I was like, fuck, man. And then, like, honestly, the Stevens that you mentioned, the Stevens batting it up to Humphrey, I was like, all right, we got a fucking game. Like, this is going to be a real game tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just it downhill from there. They were just running downhill. You, you said, Jake, that, it's, that Purdy a couple times just looked like he had a little deer in the headlights. If you watch – that ball gets picked off, and Purdy just kind of stands at midfield for a second. Like, wait a minute, that's not what's supposed to happen to me. Yeah, it's, that's not th- th- these things don't happen to me. Like, we're he, supposed to just kind of like, dude, he got do ben- he he got benched. Like, he got hurt, but they were like, yep, he is cleared medically, and Darnold was in the game. And I get it, he threw four picks, but like that that is a wild fall. And I think he'll I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be okay. But that that is a tough break for a guy yeah. who was in that MVP MVP conversation, as we mentioned. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe that's a good. I mean, maybe that's. Something the 49ers needed where it's like, all right, like Yeah, to get that to get that in to get that that sentence in itself is hilarious, man. Like you just said, yeah, this guy got benched, you know, tonight. Um, 
So he's probably out of the MVP discussion. Like that's such a yeah. we made a guy fall from MVP. It tells you how weird like, the MVP. I don't think he will bounce back. I think he'll be able to keep his job even. But like, yeah, that's how well. That's how much we clown that guy tonight. Yeah, we we kind of you know they walked in. They, they shout out to Kenyon Drake. They walked in their trap and they took over their trap. <laughs> sure. You can't win MVP Shot getting blown out. Drake. <laughs> you can't win MVP getting blown out. You can't win MVP uh, watching your backup go in and being like, oh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll let this one keep going. Trent yeah. Williams also did a nice, like, he came out and then they drove down and scored. And Trent Williams did a nice, like, can I go in on the sideline? It was like, he, everybody knew. Yeah, I appreciate the effort. Some, some good body language from Trent Williams. Tonight. He was really trying to sell that uh, non-fumble recovery. Shout out to Spenny there. And then, uh, yeah, he, he had a, a couple other things going on tonight. And then, you know, yeah, little John Harbaugh. I mean, tough for Brock Purdy. Tough break for the Harbaugh family. With that in mind, we got quite a couple hundred people in here that have been with us. We'd love for you to like, love, like, love for you to subscribe, love for you to catch us. The Jumbo Set, which is a deeper dive. Every single Wednesday morning that comes out. And then we do a preview for every Ravens game each Friday morning as well. Those are released into the airwaves. We'd love if you could watch on YouTube. If you can't, that's okay too. We'd love to have you elsewhere, but we would really love if you could watch on YouTube. Help support us. Helps us continue to grow the fastest and most effectively. Ravens with a giant win here, gentlemen. 33-19. to couple quick stats here as well. Ravens started out two for eight on third down in the first half. They turned that into four of 11, able to go two out of three there in the second half. They convert a fourth down there. They ultimately do decide to kick a field goal in the one-yard line, which is maybe a little controversial. Turned out to not hurt them. Ravens finished with 343 net yards, an average of 5.4 yards per play. 49ers with 429, 6.3 yards per play. Lamar Jackson in this one finishes with a very balanced stat sheet here, 23 of 35, 252 yards, and two touchdowns for a quarterback rating of 105.9. Ravens run for 102 yards on 26 carries and a touchdown, a Gus Edwards touchdown down in the goal to go. Christian McCaffrey racks up right around 130 total yards here with 103 of those on the ground. And the Ravens pick off Brock Purdy four times there, able to go make play after play after play. We see... Mr. Marcus Williams get one late in the game off of Sam Darnold. Patrick Queen, I mentioned that one. Kyle Hamilton has two in the first half. Kyle Hamilton's had a three-sack first half and a two-pick first half this season and might get a couple defensive player of the year votes. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Marlon Humphrey Give him the with fucking interception MVP. as well. Give him the fucking MVP. What are we doing? Give him the MVP. Sure. Yeah. Continue. And that's it. Ravens, 12-3. and three. Moving to the best record, the solo lone wolf top dog in the NFL right now. Man, man, oh man. What else we got, Brian? I, you, you always percolate over there. I want Brian's, I want Brian's last two cents here. Let the steam Good, out. two Let cents. It. I've got two things for you. I am so fired up for this team to come home to Baltimore for next week for a monster game in the bank. I mean, that place is going to be fired up. Everybody feels validated, fired up about who who this team is, what they do. It's classic Baltimore, in your face, just smash mouth football. That place is going to be just through the roof, and I, it, it's it's just such a monumental game for us to to get to where we want to go against a team that I think we want to especially play that kind of football against. So that's going to be a big one, obviously. And then number two, why the buddy pregnant? 
Yeah, good call there, too. A lot of people bringing that up, and I, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see, shout out to our guy, Zach Bollinger, who's keeping track of the uh, uh, Johnny tweet. Ever since the Johnny tweet, they're, I think, 9-1. Uh, Lamar Jackson just continues to kill it on social media. Very, you know, a lot of brevity, not, not really trying to do too much, but when he goes out there, he really fires his gun, and uh, he, he's done that exceptionally well this season, I think. And, did and, you see the NFL fired off a Johnny tweet? Did they? Yeah. Damn, you got to send them the group chat. I, I did not see this. this you, yeah, I, it was I didn't early know on in our... telling me now for the first time. Yep. <laughs> I'll get that oh, to you here. Man. Wow. As, as we get close to 2024, where that guy is going to be very... Oh, know, listen, he's, he's getting in the mix. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the dragon, the dragon is, is waiting in the, in, oh, waiting in the cave. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Is lying Brian, I love your point there. I would, <laughs> I, would, I would like to throw down here. If you are contemplating going to the Ravens game, go. If you are contemplating going to the Ravens game and ducking out early, do not. Let's make the bank great again. Brian's got the sweatshirt on. Go to that game. Make that the loudest home game. That is for the one seed. That is to automatically skip a playoff game and be a game shy of hosting the game that takes you to the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship there. So if you're on the fence... Get off of it. If you want to be Twinkle Toesies, sell your tickets. Sell them to someone. Give them to someone. It's a season of giving. Man, what a good night to be able to have this be around the holidays. A huge win. You can go watch all the social media clips, the NFL clips, the interviews, the replays, the highlights. Great stuff. We will have the jumbo set coming out Wednesday. We will have the preview for the Ravens hosting the Miami Dolphins at 1 o'clock on New Year's Eve, the 31st, on Friday morning for you guys. Please like. Please subscribe. Please share this podcast with a friend. Support the boys. We love you guys. Awesome. Anything else from Taylor, Jake? I'll, I'll pass back to you guys. I have t- two quick things, Jake, and I'll throw it to you so you guys can close it out. Uh, I want to read two tweets from Mark Ingram. Yeah. Who said, El Freaky doing El Freaky things. Man is sick. Anyone hating on El, really a peon. Absolutely love the word, use of the use word peon. Use of peon. peon. That's, I mean, yeah. He always, comes, always an elite word. He then comes back about two hours later and throws out, all the peons talking about L. Jack took over the MVP race with a mask on over the face of the people saying that. Tremendous stuff from the host, one of the co-hosts of Big Noon Kickoff on Fox. Thank you to Mark Ingram. If you get That's one great. injury, if you get even one injury that is going to take a couple weeks, you sign that fucking guy. I don't he care. He campaigned for it. He yeah. campaigned for it on Twitter this week. Yeah. That's, um, that's my guy, man. I fucking love Mark Ingram. And then I want to echo what Banks said. I, there's a lot of been a lot of consternation about the kickoff time for this game on Sunday. I think one o'clock couldn't be the more perfect kickoff. Oh, thank you, Taylor. Party, I couldn't agree with you more. Party, party, party in the morning. Get after you're going to see game. the ball drop. You're going to party, party in the morning, night. and you're going to see the ball drop, Taylor. That's Absol- what's abs- absolutely, Spenny. And Spenny, I'll see you in that. And if you're not yes, Spenny, agree, that's yeah. on you. That's on you. Oh, that's on oh you. I'll be up, Taylor, but I don't think a lot of people will. Everybody well, that's on them. Book. That is on them. That's on them. I don't, that's on you. That's on them. What's that's your big them. New Year's plans? Oh, I'm going to go to this bar. Oh, I'm going to. That's on them. I'm, well, I, will, I mean, I'm going to hang out. We're going to hang out after a great The 425 win. window is perfection on, on New Year's. I don't, listen, I don't hate 425. And by but, the way, they're not even sending Romo and Nancy and the boys. It's uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. They're sending the number two crew. I like Love. that. Ian, Ian Eagle better than Jim Nance at this point, by the he's way. He's so good. Yeah, no, he's we, so good. It's a great crew. Charles Davis is really good, too. So it's going to be no issues. Yeah. But For NFL, CBS, Brian, I know what you're doing. CBS, I know what you're doing down there. But. CBS, 
what they're doing is they want Miss Swift and Mr. Mahomes and Mr. Kelsey is what they want in the four o'clock window. And I totally get it. You know what? You get what but, you want. You get what you want. And they're they're going to get fu- the fucking Chiefs diddling around, you know, for three quarters. They'll probably win boy, by. They, they were not good today. Yeah. Like, give me a fucking break with that. Tough scene when you need Jacoby Myers and Mr. Adams in fantasy and they just don't catch a pass for the final mm, three quarters. I hate the that. entire team doesn't complete it. That's all I got to say. Love the one o'clock start. Love the one o'clock start. Mm. I'd like to give a special fantasy football shout out to Brandon Stevens. I was playing against Brandon Ayuk and Justin Tucker. And man, oh man, I won by five points. And Brandon Stevens, DPI in the end zone to prevent a touchdown there. As Tutu just tries to climb inside of a present cardboard box there. But uh, thank you to Mr. Brandon Stevens. Okay. Love that. One personal thank you to Brandon Stevens for my very important fantasy football team. Take us out, Jake. All right. Well, like I said, they, you know, I, I felt like I was at a loss for words. I feel like we got some good stuff out here tonight, you know, hour and 10 minutes. Appreciate everyone hopping in here. This had to have been our biggest live stream ever. We were pushing 400 at one point. So thank you for everyone who tuned in live. Thank you for everyone who listens after the fact. Like Spenny said, go ahead and hit us with that follow wherever you prefer to listen. We love you getting on the YouTube as well. Brian, by the way, I got to mention the uh, you're flashing the make the bank great again hats or the uh, the sweatshirt there. The hats, though, the X-52 hats. Are we putting those on sale? Because we had our guy, Greg Fritz. We will get the wheels in motion on that. OK, good. He, he was he it seems like he's thirsting for these hats. So I, we, we may or may not have a new logo on the way for the new year. We, we all. Yeah, we that's another that. that's another wrinkle to add in the mix there. So, yeah, you know, watch this space as far as the other uh, logo goes. Uh, something in the works there as well. Give us a like, as our guy Joe says here. Thanks again for everyone who tuned in. Amazing stuff. You can find us on social media, XF52Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Taylor is at Taylor Smythe 10 Brian at Barstool Banks. Spenny at Ravens 4 Dummies. That is the number four there in the middle. Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. What a fucking win. We'll talk to you guys uh, in a couple days. Preview again for that Dolphins game. Things are just in full freaking swing right now. And uh, it's going to be quite a closeout to the year 2023. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Later. See ya. Arrivederci.